uh, while, like a long while, um, you know that we have been in the book of Hebrews. And uh, last week, I had the joy of finishing up Hebrews chapter 11, which took us eight weeks to get through just that one book, I mean that one chapter. Um, This morning, we're jumping into Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to talk about um, the one who is the author of faith. We're going to talk about the one who is the perfecter, the one who puts faith together. I don't know about you in your life, but in my life, um, I'm a guy who likes examples of things. I like if I'm doing something new or I'm building something or uh, if, it, if it's a new avenue that I'm going down in life, it's, a, it's a, maybe even a new hobby or whatever it is, I like to be with somebody who's done it before me, someone who's tried it, someone who's kind of found the pitfalls. Uh, I like to learn from other people's mistakes so that I don't make the mistakes. I know that might sound selfish, but so what? Um, I just like that. Uh, with my finances, I like to learn from other people. I like to find out what, what's, what works, what doesn't work. So in, in most areas of my life, I like examples. And this started, this isn't something new for me. It's something that's gone on in my life for a long time. As a teenager, I was finishing my teen years, 18, 19 years old, and uh, there was this older couple that I would run into a couple of times a year. They were in their 80s at that point. And I remember watching them. And I remember watching this older gentleman with his wife. And um, he would, whenever I saw them, he would be the guy who would open the car door for her. Uh, he was the guy who would, uh, he, they walked hand in hand wherever they went. They, uh, he, he just... Every time you saw them together, you knew that he was deeply in love with that gal. You could just see it in everything that he did. for Just wherever they were, whatever they did, you could just see it in who they were. And I remember at one point, they were, we, were, we were at a conference, uh, and they, had, they would come early, and the, the meetings would end, and they would make their way to where the meals were going to be, and he would go in, and he would find a place. He would take her coat. He would hang her coat up, and he would walk over, and they'd find a spot, and he, he would find a good spot, and they would sit down together, and they would wait for the meal. And, and there wasn't a lot of people, and they're waiting for the meal, and so I went over, and I said, I said to him, I said, hey, I've been watching you guys over the last few years. And I've been watching, and I was talking to him, not her, and I said, I've been watching how you treat her. And you respect her, and you look after her. And you guys have obviously been married for a long time. And he's like, yes, we have. And I said, so what's the secret? What's the secret? Why is it that at 80 years old plus, I don't even know how old, I know they were over 80. What's the secret? And he looked at me and he said, young man, because I was young man, I'm still young compared to 80. (laughs) Just to put that in there. He said, young man, he said, she is not just my wife. She's my queen. And I went, what? And she said, he said, you tweet, treat your queen with respect and honor. And you treat her that way all the time. 
He was an example of what the Bible says about how husbands are to treat their wives. You remember that scripture in Ephesians? It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And he said, he didn't know me and I didn't know him. And he said, if you want your marriage to last. This was before I was dating. This was before I knew Pam. If you want your marriage to last, treat your wife like your queen, not your wife. And it never left me. He was an example. Remember I started talking about examples. I like examples. He was an example to what it means to love your wife as Christ loves the church. It has never left me. Never. I think about it all the time. It's constantly in my mind. I see that little couple walking around. I want to be that little couple someday. Lord willing, I make it that far. That's what this passage we're going to read in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is talking about. He's talking about being an example of faith. We all need examples. We need people in our lives who point us in the direction that we should be going. We need people who choose to live life in such a way that they're different than everybody else and they're not different because they're weird. We have enough of those. They're different because they've chosen something that is right, something that is wholesome, something that is godly, and they've decided to stake their life on that and walk out the person and the character of God in front of the people that they're living with. We need those examples in our culture and in our everyday life. And let me go a little farther than that. We need to be those examples. If you're a Christ follower here this morning, not only are you looking for someone who is that example, but Christ is calling you to be that example. And this passage of Scripture that we're going to read together, that's really what it's all about. It's pointing to what it means and what it looks like to be that example. So Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 1, says this, Therefore, stop. I didn't get very far. I memorized that, just so you know. <laughs> Therefore. Now, anytime you see that, you should be able to tell me this by this point, because Mike and I have driven this into your head. Whenever you see the word therefore, what do you do? What is it there for? Why is therefore there? That's what we ask. Therefore, why is it there? So remember this when you're reading scripture. Remember that the verses and chapters that we have in our, in our Bible were not in the original writing. That is there for our benefit. It's so that we can find things in the Bible. 
This was a manuscript. It was a scroll that, that the author had written, remember, to this group of Hebrews who wanted to give up in their faith. They, they, were, they were challenged and, and faith was difficult and they were having a hard time with faith and they, they really wanted to go back to the way it was. They wanted to give up. And so the author has been writing. Remember, he's gone back and he's, he keeps reminding them, look, Christ is better. Christ is better. It's better than any system that there's been. It's better than your, your religious system that you've had up to this point. Christ is better. Christ is better. And we get to this point and he's, he's coming off all of these verses, this, this passage that he just wrote about those who lived by faith and walked by faith and had put their trust in Christ and they'd walked out and They'd done amazing things for God and some had lost their life for God. Some didn't see anything happen, but they stayed steadfast in their faith. And he says, therefore, in light of these people, in light of these people, therefore, because of the examples that you have who lived by faith, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Therefore, now when he says this, that we have this large cloud of of witnesses who are surrounding us, he's not talking about a group of people who are in the stadium watching us right now. They're not looking down on us. Sometimes in our minds we get this picture that, that the saints and the believers are watching everything we do. I don't, I don't believe scripture tells us that at all. I don't think that's what this is saying at all. This is saying, look, in light of the fact that we have a whole bunch of people who understood faith and they walked out their faith and they showed you they were an example of someone who placed their life in God's hands and they walked it out. Look back over time, and he he gives us this example from the Old Testament, all these people who lived by faith. But let me tell you something, it's not just these people who are in the Old Testament that live by faith. There are probably members of your family, I know there are members of my family, who are in heaven now, who lived out their life by faith. I'm thankful that I have grandparents who walked with God. And I can look at their life and see them trust God and live out their faith. There are people that we can read throughout history, just modern history alone, who gave their entire life to follow God. And that's what he's talking about. He said, look, we are surrounded by this group of people who had who had found that they needed a Savior and that the Savior was Jesus Christ. And when they came to know Jesus Christ, they placed their faith in Him and they devoted their life entirely to Jesus Christ. And they are your example. Look to what they did. See them. See them. I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but this is a regular occurrence in my life. I like to read stories about people from history who walked by faith. And I do it on a regular basis. I buy books that are the biography or the autobiography of someone who has lived by faith and put their trust in faith and they walked out. And a lot of times what it tells me is that throughout their history, throughout their life of coming to faith, and they never saw this happening, but they lived each day by faith and they put their trust in God and they walked out their entire life for God. And it shows all the web of people that they affected, that they had no clue they were, that they were affecting for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? 
because they were an example of faithfulness. They are an example of what God could do. And they didn't see what was going on around them, but God used their faithfulness to make a difference in a whole pile of people for the glory of God. Since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, look at this, look what he says. Let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Because we have this cloud of witnesses, because we have these people who have lived out their faith and they have succeeded in living out their faith, they, they devoted themselves, they dedicated themselves, they committed themselves to following God, then what are we to do? If that's their example, then how do we become the example to the next generation? What is it that you and I need to do each day so that we can be those people? We can be part of that cloud of witnesses that is surrounding believers who are coming up behind us. Remember we saw the Connect video and all those young people who are giving their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ. Hey, some of us who are a little bit older in this room, some of you are a lot older in this room, you're to be those next examples to that young group. The kids club that's off, that, that meets over next door, we're to be the example to those folks to what it means to follow God and to live for God and to put God first. We're to be that cloud of witnesses for them. So what does that look like in, a, in our life? How do we do that? How do we live that out on a daily basis? I am glad you asked because that's the rest of my sermon and otherwise I would have to stop now. He says it this way. He said, let us lay aside. Now stop there for a minute. What does that mean? Let us lay aside. He says it this way, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. But what does that mean? I mean, when we get saved, does it mean that God just removes those things from us and it's no longer a struggle? Does it mean that that once we become Jesus Christ, we be, I mean, we become followers in Jesus Christ, we can become perfect in our hearts, and, and all of that gets worked out, and, and life is just easy street? No. Sorry. It doesn't work like that. When he says this, and he uses this phrase, he says this, let's lay aside. What he means is it's a choice. It's a decision that has to be made. And you have a choice every day of your life to follow God or not follow God. You have a choice every day of your life to live in the sin. And he uses this phrase, he says, that so easily besets. If you look at in one of the translations, so easily besets us. What does that mean? Well, everyone in this room has sinful issues in their heart and their life that they struggle with. Every one of us do. Some of you treat them like pets. And you feed them. And there are times in your life when you don't really struggle with them, but there's other times where you like to keep them around. It's where you turn. Some of them are in your mind and your heart. 
Some of them are external. Some of them are on the online. Some of them are places that you go when you're home with just your family. And Scripture says this, that if you want to live by faith and you want to follow God the way He wants you to follow Him, then you need to make a choice to look at that sin and look it in the eye and say, I'm laying it aside. The likeness that he gives here, the example, remember this is a passage of examples. The example is of a runner. And these people that he's writing to would have known this because the games were big at that time. And running foot races were very big at that time. And the picture that he paints for these people is that you strip off anything that would slow you down in the race. Anything that would encumber you. You're running a race for Jesus Christ. If you're a believer here this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've come to that place where you understood you were a sinner and you needed a Savior, then you started a race the moment that you made that decision. And there are things that will slow you down in that race. They're called sins. And sometimes we play with those sins and we say, oh, they're not really all that bad. This one's not, it doesn't affect anybody else. It just affects me. It's no big deal. But every one of those sins slow you down and they stop you from being the example that God wants you to be. Now, I know this will sound silly to you, but you have never seen a sprinter or a marathoner or anyone who's running a race cross country or another, any other way carrying a suitcase. Have you? No. You've never seen them with a backpack. Usually you see them in a tank top and shorts, and most of them don't even wear socks. I don't understand that, but that's what they do. They strip down and they get rid of all of the stuff that would slow them down. And as Christ followers, often we're running through this race that God has put before us, which we're going to talk about in a minute, that he's laid out in front of us, and you're carrying a suitcase full of sin as you go, and you wonder why you can't run very fast. Some of you have got snowsuits on, and you got boots on, and you got a, you got a snowmobile helmet, and you're all ready to go. I don't know where you're going, but you're not running a race, and you're not going far, and you're not going fast. And the author here tells us this, that look, if you want to be the example that you need to be, then you need to lay aside. You need to make the choice. This is, remember I started, I said, this is a choice that you make. You get up in the morning and you say, no, I am not going down that road today. You can do that. Hey, we live in a culture where it says there, we have no choices. It's not our fault. It's not our problem. Yes, it is. It is your fault. It is your problem. You make the decision. No one makes it for you. You make your own decisions. You decide what you're going to do today. You decided this morning when you got up whether you were coming here or you weren't. It was a decision you made. And you make those decisions every day of your life. And the author says, look, you need to choose to lay aside the stuff that's messing you up. And you can choose it. You can choose it. Is it easy? Nope. 
But the more you make the choice, the easier it becomes. So he goes on from this and he says, let us lay aside all this stuff. And then he says this, let's run with endurance. This isn't a sprint. This isn't a one-time race. This is a marathon. This isn't a bunch of talk. This isn't saying what I wish would happen. This is making a choice and choosing to endure. If you've ever run, I ran a marathon one time. I'll never do it again. I ran one time. It was a dare that was given to me when I played hockey. It was a guy who was a marathoner. Actually, it was Melody's dad, okay? And he was a marathoner, and he took us, all the hockey guys, and he said, you guys couldn't run a marathon with me. And we said, oh, yeah, we can. He won. I mean, you have to admit, just us running the marathon, he got us. But we ran a marathon with him. And I remember when we got to, like, mile 18 or whatever it was, somewhere in there, I'm like, I'm going to die. And it's fine. Just let me fall beside the road and be done. It's all good. But you know what? There was a group of us, so we couldn't. You couldn't. I mean, they would make fun for the rest of your life, so you had to keep going. And mile 20 got a little easier and 21, and then we could see the end, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, I can do this. That's what he's saying. He says, look, run with endurance. Don't give up. There's going to come times in your faith where you go, look, I can't do this. No, you can't. But God promises to give you the strength and the power that you need to continue on. And he says that. He says, look, make a choice to run the marathon of life, of your spiritual life, and run it with endurance. And when it gets thin, that's as far as it'll get. It'll just get thin. You'll have enough. My grace is sufficient for all that you need. That's his promise. You'll have enough. Run with endurance. Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said it this way. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Was it hard for Paul? You want to believe it. Go Look at his life sometime. Look at what happened to that dude. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He didn't have enough to eat. People, people laughed at him. They mocked him. They, you look at what, and he says, look, it was all good enough. I endured, I finished the race, I made it. Whether you are aware of it or not this morning, if you're a Christ follower, you are in a race. And some of us are here this morning and we're racing against time and we're racing against sickness and we're racing against addiction and we're racing against all kinds of things in our mind, but that is not the race that he's talking about. He says this, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's not all the other stuff. It's the race of faith that God has set before us. That's the race you're running. It's not a race against all this other stuff or against our culture. That's not the race. The race that you are running is the race of faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's where you're going. And it's not a, a race, race against anything. You're running to something. Actually, you're running to someone. You're running to Jesus. That's where you're going. And he says, look, come. Come on, run to me. Stick with it. You've got it. You can do this. 
He finishes that phrase out by saying it this way, let's run the race that's set before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus. All of the people in chapter 11, the great faith chapter that we just looked at, their eyes were never on themselves. Oh, once in a while they did. They're human. But they kept their faith by keeping their eyes on Jesus Christ. And so when we look back at that chapter, it's not so that we would see these people who were amazing in their faith. We look back at that chapter and we see people who kept their eyes on Christ and because they did, they endured. Remember last week I asked where your eyes were? I asked where your faith was placed? Well, as you're running your faith race this morning, where have your eyes been? Who have they been on? What have they been on? What are you looking for strength in this morning? If it's not Christ, then it's not enough. If it's not Christ, then you won't endure. If it's not Christ, then you won't finish the marathon well. That passage goes on and it says it this way, that he was the originator or the perfecter, the pioneer of the race. Jesus is better for us to look at. Why? Because he's the best example that you can have. Not only did he finish the race well, but he was the one who started the race for us. He's the one who put the race together. And when he put the race together, he said, I know this is going to be difficult, so let me show you how to run it. And that's what he did. He came here to this earth and he ran his race completely for you and for me. He didn't just start something and say, this is going to be really hard. Good luck with it. I hope you make it through. It's not what he did. He said, let me lay this race out and then let me show you how to run it. And the way my father is going to make my race is going to be way harder than yours will ever be. You think about the race that Jesus Christ ran. One who is perfectly holy, one who has perfect communion and relationship with his Father, comes from the glories of heaven, makes himself a little baby who's helpless, unable to do anything for himself, reliant on dirty, stinky, sinny, sinful humans. Sinny, it's a new word. One who is holy places himself in an unholy place. And he lives out a holy life for you and for me. And then to wrap all that up, he allows his father to place him on a cross. And here's the worst part of all that takes place. It's not the cross that's the worst. It's not that they pierced his hands and his feet with nails. That's not it. It's not that they put a crown of thorns on his head. That's not it. That's not the worst. Because if you look at the rest of that passage we just read, it says this, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the shame, despising (laughs) what they did. That wasn't the worst. The worst was that one who was perfection, one who is completely holy allowed himself to take on your sin and my sin and be separated from his father. The relationship between the father and the son was ripped apart because the father turned his back on his holy son. That's 
what was painful. That's what it means to endure the race. And Jesus says, look, I'll be your example of what it means to finish well. I'll go and I'll take all of your sin, all of your junk, everything that you've ever done and everything that anyone will ever do, and I'll take that on myself and I will pay your price. And I love how it ends. It says that he finished the race and is set down at the right hand of the Father. He finished what he started for you and for me. He's the completer of the race, and he is our example. I love the wording here. It says this, that that was a joy for him. How can that be? You look at parts of your life and you say, they're not joyful, they're difficult, they're hard, I don't like them. It was a joy for him. Why? Why? Because it completed his love for you and for me. He restored us to a right relationship. He's the greatest example that there ever is. And so as you're running your race this morning, don't look at other believers, although it's a great place to look. Can I encourage you this morning to put your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith? Can I encourage you this morning to stop being disappointed with people? They're just going to disappoint you more. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're your family. I don't care if it's your wife, your husband. I don't care who it is. They're going to disappoint you because they're human. They're people. People are stinky. It's who we are. Get our eyes on Jesus Christ, the finisher of our faith. That's what he's called. He started it. He was the originator. He was the completer of faith. He's the one you can look to. He's the one that will encourage you because he finishes the marathon and he wants you to do the same. So what's our takeaway this morning? How do we finish this? Well, believer, you can run the race of faith successfully. There are those who all throughout time have. They've made it. They've followed faith. They've stuck the course. They've finished well. And you can too. Be encouraged by their example. But look to Jesus. Get your strength. Get your help. Get what you need from him. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. You have Jesus who has finished the race. He is not just cheering you on. Through the Holy Spirit, he is offering you everything that you need not to drag yourself to the finish line, but to finish well. He is willing to give you the strength. He is willing to give you the power. He is willing to meet the needs that you have. He is willing to give you the grace that is sufficient. He will give you everything you need to finish the race with your head held high, looking at the prize, who is Jesus Christ. Believer, is that you? And Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're floundering. You don't even know what race you're in. You're just running all over the place. Jesus wants to put you in the race. 
And you can be in that race by accepting what he's done for you. He's paid the price for your sin. He's given you hope. He's given you freedom. When you admit your need of a Savior and you give yourself over to him. I want to pray for us this morning as we close. I'd ask you just to stand with me. I want to pray that we would be encouraged, if you're a Christ follower, to finish the race well. That we would be encouraged to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for the examples that we have all throughout history of those who lived by faith and kept their eyes on you, who devoted themselves to live for you, to commit themselves to living out their life for your glory and your kingdom. God, would you by your spirit encourage us and lift us up this morning. Help us to keep our eyes on you, to finish the race, to to make the choice this morning, to lay aside the things that would drag us down, to make the the choice to keep our eyes solidly fixed on you, the completer of our faith. Thank you for the example that we have in Jesus Christ. Help us this week as the church to honor you and to put you first. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thanks, you're dismissed.